0: Hello and welcome to the February 25th, 2021 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It is awesome to have everybody here with me today. And of course, it's always wonderful to be out there with you as well. So here we are. Oh, it's been a couple of weeks. I'm actually really excited to get into this episode. We have a lot to talk about. Um, I am first and foremost, extremely grateful for the amount of new listeners that have come on board to our family Uh, The amount of old listeners who have stuck through thick and thin with Mr. Joe. I mean, my goodness, I was gone for a year and it's almost like every single one of you came back. So um, I'm just so grateful to have everybody. And most of this is reflected in my new podcast statistics from this anchor um, podcasting host. I don't want to get too into this. I, I feel like even when I reviewed my last episode... I thought I spoke too much about podcasting and what it comes down to. What I will say is I will repeat myself from last time. I can't stand the introduction music. So here's what we're going to do. Based on Mr. Joe's OCD, there is no way on earth that I could prepare an episode and go through each song and keep testing it and see what sounds the best. And, you know, the perfection starts to come in. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to add whatever song anchor, the podcasting host, has lined up. I'm gonna add that. I'll put one in the intro, one in the outro, and for the next episode, I'll try a new one. And you know what? We'll see. We'll play it by ear. I mean, listen, guys, we get past the intro. I mean, I'm I'm sure there's several of you that don't even listen to the ending. Um, You know, so whether or not the music matters to anybody is not the, you know, not the, not the thing here. It's uh, Mr. Joe's mind, I think, that sometimes destroys whatever process I am trying to accomplish or whatever thought process that is uh, I'm trying to accomplish. And and I tell you, it's reflective in my mood over the last couple of weeks. I have uh, two main things to discuss today because many of my listeners have been reaching out. Excuse me, I want to make sure my microphone is not uh, causing too much static and Nonsense, um, but I got a lot of emails, and and ironically, most of them have been touching upon the the subject of anxiety, and I, which would make sense. I mean, the world that we live in now—forget about it. I mean, you know, with the pandemic and the corona, which, by the way, seems to be getting a little bit better. I think there may be some kind of a light at the end of the tunnel. I have not gotten my vaccine yet. Um, and i'm i don't know what i'm doing i'm scared to get it i'm not gonna lie i mean i've seen people have horrific reactions and i've seen people be okay so anyway i'm not going to get into this right now what what it what it comes down to is i believe the state of this world obviously has led to the horrible horrible increase in suicide especially amongst us youngsters out there and you know even our age you know pushing 45 i mean you know, but mainly the teens and the early twenties. People are going crazy, man. I mean, they really are. They're going bonkers. You, you know how many wackadoo's now we got? <laughs> the whole, we've got our family is gigantic now, um, and we we certainly need each other because I don't know who the heck else is going to support us unless we just lean on one another. Um, so so a lot of emails about anxiety, specifically about my past and specifically about the present in terms of my anxiety and whether or not I suffer from it anymore. Because people are mentioning that, um, you know, I I dealt with it many, many years ago, panic attacks. And if you go back to Anxiety 101, which unfortunately I'm probably going to have to repeat a little bit of that information that I conveyed in that episode to kind of make sense of it all. But I talk about my entire college days in terms of the panic attacks and what used to go on. And, and, and I'll address that in a moment. But what it seems like is many people don't think that Mr. Joe suffers from anxiety anymore. Now, listen, I am not having panic attacks. And I know for a fact that last time on the podcast, I probably said something along the lines like, you know, Mr. Joe is not where you think he should, where you, where you think I am. I'm not, I'm not doing that great um I may sound great on the podcast I'm going to work I'm doing what I need to do um yeah, I'm doing it all but it doesn't mean it's easy doesn't mean it's easy at all you know I'm going to give you an example okay guys I mean and just listen for one one quick second in terms of you know an update as to where we're at nowadays with Mr. Joe and again this will address kinda of backwards in terms of the anxiety because I really wanted to hit up what used to go on. But you know what? Let's let's talk about my current state right now. And I'll give you an example. This morning, I got it was uh eight o'clock, eight o five. Kids were gone, they were with my uh wife. She went to drop them off at my in laws because she had to work early, early this morning. So I'm getting ready for work and I'm not gonna get into it. Long story short, but about eight or five in the morning, Mr. Joe was hysterical crying. Why? I don't know. I mean some of it I want to um, I want to say is over my father. I've been very emotional over him lately, very, very emotional, but you know when, I, when it comes down to it, it was just my brain over the last couple of days has felt as if it's overloaded in so many ways. I have so many thoughts jumbling around. I have so much going on up there and I'm having a very hard time making sense of it all unless I'm at work. <laughs> I mean, when I'm at work and I'm with those kitties, man, I mean, it's like everything just comes into play and I'm able to do what I got to do. But, you know, today is Thursday and on Tuesday, Tuesday night, I went into bed about ten fifteen, and, and, which was rather late for me because lately I upped my and We're going to get into that in a moment. And it's been knocking me out. So I felt that, you know, that, that urge to just drop into my bed and, and call it a night. And I said goodnight to my wife. And I went in there and, you know, I laid in my bed. And guys, I couldn't fall asleep. And there are many of you out there that understand what it's like to just lay there And lay and watch clocks and check it out and see how many more hours you have and all those ridiculous things that happen to us. But here's my biggest concern is that the mania and the mixed episodes, obviously, that Mr. Joe suffers from was so intense on Tuesday night that I could not sleep one minute. Not even one minute. And when I, quote unquote, woke up the next day, which, you know, was just me strolling out of the bedroom like a damn animal, literally like an animal, like it's everybody else's fault that Mr. Joe can't sleep. Like they caused my mania. Come on. OK, yeah, I could look back on it now and I could say, what a moron, what a, what, what kind of a, actions do you take? screaming and yelling at people for no reason, and, you know, I didn't sleep, blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, that's my own problem. That's not my wife's problem or my kid's problem. It's not fair for somebody like me who is just simply not dealing with my mental health well enough to start taking it out on everybody else. But you know what? That's what I did. And when you can't, when you're in the moment, you can't figure it out. You just can't figure it out. And again, I keep going back to that why does the brain shift episode. And more than ever lately, Mr. Joe just feels as if that brain shift is happening and I just don't know why. And I guess I'm saying this is... (laughs) I haven't felt these these mood swings and these shifts in a very long time, and, I, and I'm gonna attribute it to the coronavirus and the horrible crap that's going on now around us in the world. I'm gonna attribute it to my ex-wife and the horrible position that she has put, not just my family that I live, live with right now, but all of my children. She's put us in a horrible position. You know, I mean, I never knew, guys, that things could get so difficult. Do you know that I was promised by the judge that I could pay whatever arrears that I had over the peri- over a period of time, which, you know, my ex-wife agreed to, and it's in a court order that instead of paying this amount, I pay this amount, you know, to cover those arrears. Do you know they started deducting money out of my account? I, I don't even know how. I don't even know how. And then the bills they're sending me are not what I'm supposed to be paying. It's $800 more. And, and by the way, I can't even make the original child support payment, but they want me to send now twice as much because I guess in case I drop dead tomorrow, at least my ex-wife will have some money. I mean, so that's what it comes down to. Now, listen, if I was rich, if I had all the money, if I was living comfortably, I wouldn't give two you-know-whats, but I'm not. give 2 you know what? but i am not we are struggling. And here's what it comes down to. And we all know this, when we struggle with money and we struggle with financial situations, you know, uh, it it causes stress. And listen, we're not, we're not, you know, begging for food like some of you are, which my heart is breaking for that people can't put food on the table. You know, we're not unable to go food shopping, but there are no luxuries at all no luxuries guys. And I'm not saying we deserve luxuries, but you know, it's, let's put it this way. This is the very first month that I am going to be paying this extraordinary amount of child support, um, that I honestly just don't owe. And I'm pretty sure we're not even going to be able to make the mortgage, you know? So, um, I'm going to end it there. I don't want to get too, but here's the thing. We do make the mortgage. That's the, I, that's the crazy part of all this. I'm sitting here ranting and raving, and, and I'm going to leave it like this. There's one reason why Mr. Joe and his family are successful with certain things. And guys, it's not me. There's only one reason, and that's my wife. She, she holds it all together. That's it. That's what it comes down to. My wife, she's the one who comes swooping in with a cape... And she saves us all. And, you know, if we didn't have her, I don't know what we would do. Um, you know, because she is she is the strongest woman that I have ever, ever met in my life. Ever. Um, and she don't listen to these podcasts anymore. So <laughs> believe me, I'm not getting anything good for this. But, um, you know, she really is. She's an amazing woman. And she keeps me in check. And she gives me the motivation. And this is a horrible thing to say. But the motivation to pretend that everything is okay, even though it's not, because she she said something to me the other day. She said, babe, she says, when you get in there, you can do it. When you can get in there, you can do it. I apologize. A big truck is driving by right now. I don't know if you heard that. Trying my best to keep it quiet in the background over here. I'm actually on a nice lunch break, and I'll be heading in to see a little boy in a minute, but nevertheless, um, God, here I go. I lost my train of thought again um my my wife is the one that takes care of it all and um you know without her i mean honestly mr joe would be nothing and sadly you know the narcissist that used to be in me probably recognized that in the very beginning you know we're we're very intuitive man we got a great skill set in terms of you know being able to read people and we know who is you know empath, you know, who, who is empathic and offers sympathy and somebody who's strong and, you know, has a great job. And we, we, we notice those things because most of the time we're like searching for somebody to, you know, be there for every beck and call, you know, now I didn't have that intention when I met my wife, because she was just so different from everybody else. But, you know, I don't know what my mind was thinking back then. I was smacking it into a wall, into a brick wall. So God only knows. What I know now is thank good God above that that woman, my wife, had the patience to say, you know what, I'm going to work through this with him because I love him enough. But I'll tell you right now, we're all, the, the, the whole family is fed up. We're fed up We're fed up about the fact that my ex-wife, without asking me, sent my kids in a car to, to another state, okay? I'll tell you the state, Florida. They went to Florida, and my daughter did not feel good. She kept calling me, Dad, I don't feel good. I think I got corona. Nobody believes me. And, you know, me, Mr. Joe, I'm like a nut. Oh, my God, go get tested. And, and, and you know, the the now my, my ex-wife did not even go. She sent them in a car with her sister and her brother-in-law whatever. And um, so she wasn't even there for the trip. But they all kept telling her, oh, it's a change of weather, blah, blah, blah. And you want to know something? Not only did I miss my visitation with my kids without being told, not only... Was I not asked about a trip to another state for my children, my daughter is now home with coronavirus at 17 years old, okay? You tell me what the heck would have happened if it was the other way around, okay? So, and, and this is the part where, you know, I keep getting told you're too nice, you're too good, you're too kind, and I and I and I, I I am I think I am sometimes, and I gotta try to, um, you know, see people for who they really are, especially that ex witch of a woman of mine. So real quickly, I just want to touch upon the Seracil increase. It's more of a complaint of you know if that makes sense by me because I am so torn, everybody, as to what to do. Um, I upped my Seracil mainly because of paranoia that's the first here comes a bus i'm gonna close the window woof man oh man anyway (laughs) um i uh i uh upped my seroquel mainly for the paranoia it's been uh, it's been out of control i can't even handle it anymore and it has not gotten any better um but the seroquel is helping and i also added it to the cocktail i went up a little bit so that uh my depression got a little bit better Um, and i have to tell you it is absolutely working Here's the problem, everybody. I have absolutely no appetite. I can't eat, food makes me sick. I'm probably losing pound after pound every day. And then the other big issue is with this higher dose, I am teeth grinding extremely badly. In my, it must be going on in my sleep. I mean, even during the day, I feel myself re- getting ready to grind and I, and I have to stop myself, so God only knows what is going on, um, you know, while I sleep. So I don't know, guys. I know this, that I am hoping that I can move past this. I'm hoping that these side effects go away. I mean, I didn't have these on a lower dose of the Seroquel, you know, so I'm hoping that this all goes away and, you know, we'll see what happens. So now let's address these emails. Let's address what what used to go on in Mr. Joe's mind and what goes on now and how I am able to control it to some degree. You know, 20 years ago, guys, I thought I was dying. I really did. I thought I was dying. And, you know, I didn't know. We didn't know. We don't have Google 20 years ago. We didn't really have the... We didn't have the Internet. You know, we hand... We were still doing checkbooks. I mean, life was different back then. I had no idea. Maybe if I had some... You know, more education about what anxiety and panic attacks were, I would be okay, but, you know, back then, there were so many factors involved in terms of what set off the anxiety and why I wasn't able to control the panic attacks for a period of at least nine months. You know, and I'll quickly go through those things. I mean, anxiety 101, we'll address it all. But basically, this was my first, uh, like, my very first time away from home. I, I had never taken care of myself. I had no idea how to take care of myself. I was very far away from home. I was away from the narcissist, the narcissist who more or less made me feel guilty for going away. You know, there goes her baby boy. So I lived with that guilt the entire time. I was a disgusting degenerate of a man who had no ability to stay faithful to his girlfriend at the time and just went around messing around with women. Um, did absolutely no what quote-unquote hard drugs. You know, Mr. Joe was not into that. Um, you know, but drinking and the marijuana and all that stuff. And, you know, I guess... After a while, guys, it gets to you, man. And I'll never forget, and you could hear it again. I mean, I downed a bottle, or a half a bottle, or of Benadryl one night because I just wanted to go to bed. And it had the opposite effect on me. And I was up all night and I was anxious. And long story short, guys, from that point on, for a period of nine months, Mr. Joe did not leave his house, his bedroom. And I ask, please go back, go back to that episode and and think of some of the things that I dealt with. Listen to some of the things, the panic attacks, the times where I would stand by a door and look out the door window with a phone in my hand, ready to call the ambulance, just in case I dropped dead and, you know, my roommates weren't home on time. You know, the yellow book, we had a yellow book that I took from home that had a health section in the back and I used to call on a phone, not a cell phone, a regular phone that had a phone bill. And I would punch in the numbers. If you're having a heart attack, press three. If you're having a stroke, press four. And I would listen. And I would listen and listen and listen. And every symptom and every sign and every, every single thing that could potentially go wrong during a heart attack, a stroke, any kind of illness, well, guess what? I developed it all. And it got to a point where, you know, eventually... These things that are, originate in your mind, they start to physically affect you as well. You know, so you really actually start doing these things to yourself. In, in, in essence, you know, so um, all those physical things—the heartbeats and the sweating and the and you know the, the palpitations and the dizziness—and I mean, I used to walk into store. I tried one time to go out within that nine-month period. It was like a Walmart or a Kmart, I don't remember the store. And I passed out, I I mean, I I threw up. I was ready to drop onto the floor, I vomited. The whole place was spinning. I mean, these are things, guys, that I just simply will never forget, never. In comparison to today, I could give you a general idea of what I go through, but I honestly cannot think of any real specific moments in time over the last, like, let's say 20 years where I was really dealing with a panic attack. Now, that does not mean a thing in terms of, you know, oh, Mr. Joe, again, you know, he deals with everything, he breeds, he counts to 10, he, you know, he's, he's strong. Uh, Come on, guys. I'm an animal. I'm a monster. When I, when I cannot control my mind, when I'm anxious, whoop de doo Okay, no, I'm not calling the ambulance. No, I'm not thinking that I'm dying. No, none of that's happening. It's not, it's not like that for me now. I just become an animal. I become an animal who can't gather their thoughts. Everything bothers me. The littlest, pro- the littlest thing is the biggest thing for Mr. Joe. And that's a problem, too almost as much as a problem as the other thing, the hypochondriac and, you know, having panic attacks because you want to brag and talk about how far you have really come. I'm referring to Mr. Joe. Well, how far have I really come? I mean, really, what techniques have I learned to calm myself down, to bring myself to the level of understanding where i say you know what this is not normal the way you're acting and the way you're responding and you know this didn't bother you a week ago why is it bothering you now and again back to that episode brain shifting you know i just don't have that ability lately so that's more of the anxiety and like i've said so many so many times guys that the biggest reason as to why mr joe considers my recovery or my attempted recovery of success, is the intensity and the duration in terms of the anxiety, depression, the mood swings, the mixed episodes, and the mania, along with the psychosis, the sounds, the voices, the hallucinations, they're all at a minimum. They're all at a minimum. The duration and the intensity is nowhere where, nowhere where it used to be. Not even close because I found the right cocktail, but it just doesn't go away. And we, as we find the right cocktail, the job in addition to that is supposed to be able to figure out what ways we can combat and battle that horrific feeling of anxiety without having to pop a pill. And believe me you, I, pl- I popped plenty of pills back in the day. And I'm referring to Xanax. And you know, that, that listen, I did not use Xanax mainly because I had no idea what was going on, Uh, you know, 20 years ago when I was away at college, but you best believe it, when I was on a cocktail of medication that was basically just every med under the sun, well, those meds, the combination, in combination with my sick brain, it caused so much anxiety. Because I was on so many things at once. You know, not to change the subject, but I think back to the meds that I was on back in, let's say, 2009-ish. And I say to myself, Seroquel, Lamictal, Depakote, Cymbalta, Suboxone, Visterol, Xanax. I mean, I'm, I'm up to seven, guys, you know, and I, and I know th- th- it goes on and on, the list. What really freaks me out most of all is because I don't think I would ever be told to do something like this. But back in the day, they put you on two mood stabilizers, Lamictal and Depakote. I don't know. Maybe it's something that works. I'm not really sure, but it just seems a little bit like, you know, overdone, so to speak. Um, You know, but anyway, the cocktail is all that matters, guys. Once the cocktail is mixed and it's correct... Like I said, things do get a little bit better. But listen, 20 years ago, I was having legitimate panic attacks. So to address the emails, I mean, what's the difference? The panic attacks, you know, that I dealt with 20 years ago as compared to the anxiety. Let's just break it down really quick. 20 years ago, I couldn't even drive in a car, okay? Because as I would drive in a car, the... the, I don't know. I mean, driving was actually one of the worst things. For some reason, I felt like I was in this tunnel as I would drive. And, you know, I was, again, I couldn't even drive. I couldn't go into stores. You know, the physical symptoms, the panic attacks. I mean, I was scared of everything. And the hypochondriac hypochondria was mixed in there. Nowadays, And I want to correct myself because I earlier I earlier I said, you know, I wake up like an animal or when I'm anxious, I'm an animal. And I don't want to I don't want everybody out there to think that I'm an animal towards everybody in my family. I'm just an animal in general. I, I don't think anybody would want to approach me at all. And when I say I'm an animal, it's not it's not a panic attack. It's not me yelling at people necessarily. It's a lot of me mumbling under my breath and talking to God and saying, how could you do this to me? I don't don't believe it. Oh my God, I'm never gonna do this. Uh, Here we go, okay? This is Mr. Joe's morning, when I wake up with anxiety. Oh my God, where did she put it? Where did she put my backpack? Meanwhile, my backpack's in my trunk. I'm, I'm going to kill her. I'm going to kill her. I don't believe that she would put me through this. How, how could this happen? My, my, and You know, my wife's obviously not listening to this, and my son's looking at me like I'm out of my mind. Meanwhile, my wife has nothing to do with anything. My mind is just an absolute disaster, so I have no idea where anything is. Every little thing that goes on, it bothers me. That's what it's all about. While they're not panic attacks, it makes me not want to go to work. But the difference between then and now was I legitimately could not, and I wasn't working then. Uh, I was going to class, let's say that. I legitimately, 20 years ago, would not get up and would not go to class. Whereas now, I'm able to force myself, and truth be told, once I get in to work, I'm fine. And that's when the anxiety goes away. With me, the anxiety surfaces mostly when I'm not distracted, really. And unfortunately, and we have spoken about this so many times, you know, depending on the stress level and the things that, you know, occur in my life, well you know, it's how I handle them. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't handle them very good. I am not good under stress and under pressure, but, but much better than I was 20 years ago. And I could almost guarantee, and I'm not saying this to make anybody feel bad, but if you were anything like Mr. Joe back then, you should be envious of the fact that I can control it the way that I do now. Okay. Because it's something to be envious of, because it's like night and day. Then, I wanted to die. Now, I wanna live, and and that's the truth. No matter how anxious, no matter how mad, no matter how manic, no matter how depressed, whatever it might be, I do, I wanna live. And I oftentimes feel myself, and believe me, when I'm talking to God, And I'm saying to him, because I'm all anxious, why am I here? Like, just take me, just please God, just take me. And what I recently found myself doing is then talking to my dad and saying, sorry dad, I didn't mean that. I know I gotta be around for my kids. And let me tell you guys, it is not easy when your brain is that messed up and your chemicals are so shifted and unbalanced. We don't care about anything. Yes, we love our kids, we do. But we say to ourselves that being gone would be more beneficial to our family and our children because then they wouldn't have to live with a a psychopath. Now, that's the way we view it. Little do we know that, you know, the disappearance of daddy, my children would be crushed. All four of them would be crushed. And, you know that's not me bragging, that's me being a father and a good father and saying, like, look at me, man, I had 45 years of my dad and I still cry over him. Well, they didn't have 45 years of me, okay? Because, you know, we're talking 17, 15, 3 and 1 and that's not even close to 45 years. Now, I'm not saying the more years you have, the better it is. I mean, that's not where I'm going here. What I'm saying is that, you know, when we are in a certain Phase in our head, and we all understand that phase. It doesn't matter. We can't control it. We don't care about anybody else. We we rationalize with ourselves, and we say to ourselves, "You know what? Again, we the world would be better off without us," which of course is not true at all. It's just not. And um, you know, and there there it is. I mean, I don't know if I even answered the questions. I really don't. I mean, what's the moral of the story? The main point here is, I guess, that, you know, Mr. Joe, back then, had panic attacks, couldn't control him, couldn't breathe, couldn't do anything, couldn't eat. I mean, I should have been, I should have known. I mean, if this is going on in, let's say, 1997, 19, yeah, 1997-8-ish, I would, I would think. You know, I should have been more aware of the fact that, down the line, this was going to resurface because guys, I got to tell you, you know, I went away, I I beat the anxiety away at school. I've told the story a thousand times. I came home, I went to grad school and, you know, for the most part, I was quote unquote, okay. Why was I okay? Because I was starting to learn how to control the voices or ignore the voices. I can't say control them, ignore the hallucinations and you know, do a double take just to make sure that I saw what I saw. And when it was gone, I realized that it wasn't there. Um, You know, I learned to ask questions to people. You know, they might have thought I was crazy because I would ask them, but at least it would give me clarification as to what was going on. Um, But really, here's what ended up happening. And I've talked about this a million times also. I lived my life in mania. I lived my life in mania. I didn't care I had no care in the world what I want what anything I wanted to do I did and I was always right nobody was right I was always right and they were all wrong and You know, I I mean, I have to be grateful because look at look at what has gone on with, you know, me and my mother. I, I can't accept her back into my life. And there are so many people that remain patient with me and did accept me back into their lives. But I have to assume that's because I actually took the steps to get myself better, you know, and that's I've been ending my episodes a lot talking about just, you know, getting better and finding that right cocktail and, you know, working through those side effects. And I don't know, man, call me. Listen, Anchor now has a little button where you could leave a message. You could leave a message. Talk to me. I'll listen to every word. Write to me. Talk to me. I mean, listen, guys, again, my emails, you know, every single one of them I read. Every single one of them. And I'm going to I have not been able to respond. I barely can get on to do podcasts lately, but I am not going anywhere. This podcast is here forever because my healing is far from done, everybody. This is a lifelong battle for all of us. This doesn't go away. Bipolar disorder, schizoaffective disorder, you know, depression, they really don't go away. They just get a little bit better and we get better at handling it. So what I hope is that Number one, you're going to a doctor. Number two, you're seeking therapy. And number three, if you're not doing any of those things, I hope that you're listening to me. I really do. I hope you're listening and you're learning a little bit. And I think that is actually a perfect way to uh, close out today. Uh, I miss you guys, man. And I'm trying my very best to get back on... Um, it's just not easy, but I am, I will be back, and um, you know, I'll get these episodes rolling once again, I promise you. Uh, for those of you that have stuck with me, my goodness, uh, I ask that if you're doing well, just continue, man. Continue to work as hard as you possibly can. I mean, if you love somebody or care about somebody with a mental illness and or drug addiction for that matter, you know, support that person the very best way that you know how. And if you're struggling right now with a mental illness or an addiction, uh, you need help, I mean, just keep battling, keep fighting, and most importantly, soldier on. Thank you so much for listening to Mr. Joe's Bibola Podcast. Everybody have a great day. I'll talk to you real soon.